if you're in a kind of a psychological thriller or something where your main character might be a little bit more closed off, I think it could be a really helpful way to see them actually sharing ideas and emotions with people that you might not normally see. If all you're doing is writing a thriller the way they used to be written, you might be missing out on some untapped potential. I've been reading a lot of thrillers recently that have this added extra element that works towards building tension. My guest today is going to share the two that she chose to use in her most recent novel, and she's going to share why she chose them. I'm David Gwynn, an agented writer navigating the world of traditional publishing. During this first season of the Thriller 101 podcast, we're going to focus on building the skills necessary to write the kind of thrillers that land you an agent and readers. I'm talking to authors, agents, and industry professionals about the best way to write a novel. If you want the expert secrets, this is where you're going to find them. Last week on the podcast, I talked to Tori Westminster about how she used a simple but effective method to gain more than 21,000 followers on social media. I have had my writing group and I have people that I talk to every day that check in on me, that have helped me figure out weird pieces in my book that, <laughs> you know, that I just joke around with and... You know, when I have crappy days, they make me feel better. That fill every little nook and cranny of my writing life. It's amazing. Definitely check out that episode if you want to improve your author platform this year. Today's guest is Elle Grawl. She is a lawyer and author of One of Those Faces and What Still Burns. After obtaining her BA in English Literature, she took a detour into law before returning to her love of writing. Her lifelong interest in true crime and experiences as an attorney have provided her with plenty of writing material. Elle enjoys traveling and spending time with her husband and their two dogs. Let's get straight into the interview. Elle, thanks so much for being here. I'm really excited to chat with you. I'm really dying to talk about your new book. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk about it. So Yeah, we, we got to chat on the Writerly Lifestyle podcast. I guess it was probably a, a year ago or so now, maybe maybe not quite at this point. But yeah, we got to talk about your first book and like signing with an agent. And so if you're listening, I'll link to that first conversation with Elle. It was really great. We got to talk about her first book and just like all the all the things that were going on around your first book, which is one of those faces. So we had a we had a great time. And so if you're listening to this and you want more with Elle, which of course you do, please <laughs> listen to that. So yeah, so let's let's talk about your newest novel, What Still Burns, which I loved when it's out now. Can you tell us what it's about? Sure. So What Still Burns follows Lex. She's a journalist in San Francisco, but she was also the sole survivor of a childhood fire in a small town. And that fire claimed her immediate family. As an adult, her aunt passes away, and she finds herself having to return to that small town to wrap up her family's property and their affairs, finally. But when she gets there, she finds that you know things haven't really changed. It's still a very close-knit community that's suspicious of outsiders, including Lex. There's also a lot of misplaced religious zeal in this small town. But the one good thing is that she reconnects with an old flame named Kale there. And he, he starts to help her, you know, get things in order at the property. But then she begins to get these mysterious phone calls. And she starts to feel like she's being followed by something that reminds her of her past. And then when bodies start to show up, it becomes pretty clear that something sinister is going on and it might be tied to her past. Yeah. Like I said, like a lot to, a lot to talk about and unpack. And I'm yeah. really looking forward to diving in. If you're listening to this, definitely pick this book up. 
it had a lot of which we'll talk about in a little bit but but a lot going on in like the best way possible like it felt like you were being like dragged from here to there as a reader it felt like i was being pulled through the story so really really great read a lot of fun my first question really is how did you come up with this story where did this story come from so this isn't really a flattering description of my own hometown but it <laughs> it really comes from it really comes from you know expanding on certain experiences i had growing up in the middle of nowhere and I, I, I don't know, I wanted to explore how, you know, growing up in that kind of environment can look so different when you're a kid uh, versus as an adult, you know, looking back on it and, you know, reflecting on experiences. And I thought putting something together like this and, it, you know, there is a dual timeline in this story. So, you know, it kind of sheds light on the kid's perspective, you know, kid Lex versus adult, how she's viewing things. And how those can get warped sometimes because, you know, when you are a kid, you perceive things differently. So anyway, I wanted to explore that and, and you know, with a family dynamic, because a lot of it is her recollections of her own family before they passed away and how, you know, grief might have shaped her opinion of them as an adult, you know, even when she's looking back on it. So, yeah. And and I do want to, we'll, we'll dig in and, and talk about some of the, like, even just the, the touch on like the potential paranormal element and the romantic element. I thought there was like a lot um, of really great stuff going on. So what are you working on now? What's the next project? So my problem is I, I have too many things, too many irons in the fire, but I can't really talk about any of them. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> so so I, I am working on another thriller, but then I also have a, a more traditional mystery that I'm polishing right now. And that would be a first for me. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with those in the near future. But yeah, that's cool. Um, and so let me ask you more generally, when you're when you're taking on a project, obviously, like a, a major undertaking, when you're taking on a novel, what are some things that make you feel like, yes, this is a project that is ready to ready for me to like dive in? Are you somebody who just has to write through it? Or are you somebody who does a little bit more kind of planning and deciding what type of project you're going to take on? So I'm not... I don't really identify as a plotter, but I, I I do typically just have to write it out. The problem is it's not very efficient to do that. So I've tried, <laughs> I've tried to find some middle ground. When I was working on the traditional mystery, I thought that, you know, switching slightly to a different subgenre would be a perfect opportunity to try to do something a little different and more structured. So I did, I was, you know, kind of plotting ahead. And by plotting, I mean like putting a couple of bullet points on paper, you know, maybe five chapters ahead. So it's still exciting for me to work on the story and everything. So I, I did that. But with a thriller, it's really I have to just kind of dig into it. And then most recently with the thriller I'm working on, I had the aha moment that I always look for, which is I I come up with an idea to thicken the plot because I, you know, I have an, a general idea of what I want to write. But sometimes I'm like, yeah, but there needs to be something more. And if it comes to me and it seems like a great idea, then it's you know, it's something that I, I'm going to stick with, you know, and see that story through. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm always so interested because I have about, you know, it sounds like you do, too. Like maybe like two or three or too many ideas to after this one. I'm kind of like, how am I going to pick one? And will I know? And how will I know? So I'm, I'm always probing when I have people on who are writing. I'm always like. How do you know? How do you know when you're ready? It's so to like, hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm dying yeah. to 
I'm, I'm hoping that I had that moment kind of sounds like the one that you had where you had a couple of ideas or maybe you were, you know, working on that one idea and then there was a click and you're like, okay, this is the one I'm kind of hoping I get that because that would be helpful <laughs> for me. It, it, and it's a cliche, but it really comes when you least expect it because I, I'd been kind of writing a few chapters on this book and then I was, I still love the story without the the extra flavor that I just added to it. But I was driving yesterday and listening to a song and then I was like, oh, that's it. Like that's as simple as it was. I wasn't even thinking about the story. It just popped up. And then I was like, this is genius. I mean, maybe, maybe not genius, but I was excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah. So it'll, it'll sneak up on you. <laughs> In that moment, it for sure feels like genius. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a lightning strike for sure. That's cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Good. Well, hopefully we'll have you back soon. We'll be able to talk about it. So yeah, um, that'd be great. Okay, let's pause there for a second. So far, Elle shared the background for her novel and how she picks her projects. In the next part of the interview, she's going to talk about how she used romantic and paranormal elements in her novel to really ramp up the tension. But before she does that, I wanted to let you know I'm reopening submissions for the Thriller 101 Agent Pitch Contest just until February 1st. If you missed the first cutoff and want to put your submission forward for agents to read and potentially request your full then go to thriller101.com and submit today. You have until February 1st to submit, so get to it. I'll link that in the description. Let's head back to the interview. So yeah, so let's let's dive into what still burns here a little bit. I, I want to talk about, it's this thing I, I, I've been seeing more and more, and I, I talked to Catherine McKenzie a month or so ago, maybe two months now, uh, and she uses this element as well too, which is like that kind of romantic element, flame from the past kind of feel. I'm seeing this a lot in thrillers, and I think it's a really great way to add a lot of depth to a character. And and you know that that obviously, like you mentioned, occurs here with Kale. And I'm I'm curious, what was like was the romantic side of the plot? Was that always there, or was that something that just kind of happened as you were writing? Yeah. So with this story, and you know, even one of those faces, there's kind of a romantic element to it. Those were always an integral part of the story, and I think. I, you know, it underwent some edits, you know, to get it to where it is now. Of course. But yeah, but I, I think it is, like you said, a great device to see a different aspect of the character. And it's kind of the same reason why I like using pets or animal companions in thrillers. I think you just see a different side of a person's character whenever they're interacting with, you know, a pet or a romantic interest, you know, it's different from how they might be interacting with other people. And especially if you're in a kind of a psychological thriller or something where your main character might be a little bit more closed off, I think it can be a really helpful way to see them actually sharing ideas and emotions with people that you might not normally see. So I feel like the romantic partner has taken over a lot of what used to be maybe the more traditional like sidekick, the best friend, and now it's a romantic partner. I think it's a really interesting shift that I'm just picking up on. Maybe it's not, maybe it's always been there. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just finding it. But um, I think it does. It creates a lot of depth. And and so I'm curious when you're writing, or maybe this happens in the editing process, are you thinking about how to up the tension in both of these at the same time? Is this like a balancing act where you're like, the relationship gets a little bit more intense at the same time that the, the plot does? Is, is that something you're thinking about? Or is that something that just kind of happens? It's, I think it kind of just happens. I mean, like I said, obviously there's a lot of changes that occur in editing to get both of those plots where they need to be, you know, lined up. But I think especially with this one, so Kale, he's a firefighter. And since, you know, her 
past trauma involves a fire. It, they're they're pretty directly related with the plot. And also she, because of that past trauma, she was emotionally stunted in a lot of ways. And so I think, you know, her feelings coming through for Kale is kind of a, a good way that the reader can connect with her a little bit more, um, you know, even though she's more reserved with her emotions throughout the rest of the story. So I was thinking about as we, as we were going to chat and I, I wanted to talk to you and ask you questions about this is I was like, in a romance, I feel like the tension is around will the main character end up with this other person? And like in the mm-hmm. thriller, sometimes it's like, and I'm not giving anything away here. So if you're listening, you're like, don't spoil it. I'm not, I'm not, I promise. But it's more like, oh my God, I might end up with someone like that. And you're like, they become uh-huh. like, kind of like that. Like, oh, is that person, you know, there's a, there's a question usually at some point. In yes. Where like, is that person involved in a way? Like yeah. I said, I'm not giving anything away, but I feel like the, the thrillers do that. And it, it creates so much tension for a reader to read mm-hmm. stuff like that, where you're like, oh my God, how close were you to someone who might be X, Y, or Z? And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's a great point. Whenever I read a thriller and there's any kind of love interest, I'm immediately like, okay, well, he's <laughs> he's obviously suspect number one. We'll see if it pans out. <laughs> but it's, it was actually really interesting for me hearing different people's takes on Kale as they were reading. Certain like critique partners I had read before it was published, they really thought, they didn't think Kale was, like he had the, the normal level of suspicion that any routine thriller reader has but then my my dad he was actually one of my early readers and he was he was suspicious of kale from like moment one (laughs) that's how i was too i was the same yeah (laughs) so it's just it's really funny you know how much you know getting that response from people it can be so different how you read a romantic love interest in a thriller i think so yeah well i I gotta ask you now because you you brought it up and i i think that there's a major misconception here among writers with what i'm hearing is so you you have an agent obviously and you're you're publishing books and you have critique partners too where where are they coming in in that process are you writing your first draft editing it and then sending it to critique partners and then to your agent like is that the process can you talk a little bit about that Actually, usually my agent is my first reader. Oh, I try wow. to <laughs> I try to get it as nice as I feasibly can uh, for her. And then um, depending on, you know, what kind of notes she gives me, then I want to go to other readers uh, once I have a chance to edit it rather than sending it multiple edits to her if it's not ready. And so, so yeah, I usually get her take on it and then I like to send it to people. And my, like I said, my dad, he's one of my biggest like beta readers, I guess. I send stuff to him pretty early. So <laughs> I think that's yeah. so interesting. It's, I, I think it's one of those misconceptions that people have. They think when they get an agent that they'll just send their book to the agent. But I, I really think that relationship that you have with critique partners is something that is ongoing. And it's something mm-hmm. that, that I'm using now. And I, I think it's it's interesting to hear that you go the reverse order that I, I plan on going. Like I, I, my part of my book is with, my critique partner right now and I'm like it's so interesting the way these things are and I think it really does just go back to if you're if you're listening and you want to be in traditional publishing know that no two journeys and no two Mm -hmm. relationships with agents are the same that everything's different and you just go into it you know hoping for what you want out of it but I think that's really interesting for for people to hear yeah yeah well and it is and I think it's so true that it depends on the agent but it also a lot of times it comes from a place of, I've been working on this thing. Is this a thing? You, you know, mm-hmm. I'm asking my agent, you know, is this a good story? Right. You know, and once once I get the the okay from her, then I'm like, okay, good. Now I can, you know, polish it. I can, you know, yeah. work on it a little bit more and then send it back to her. Yeah, so, so cool. yeah. 
Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I, and I, I happened to be talking to this Emmy Nordstrom Higdon a few weeks ago, too. And in our conversation, I brought up that I talked to Rob Hart, who, who's an author, and he goes directly to his editor first and just contacts oh. his editor and just says, I have this idea. Do you think you'd be able to, to, to you know, edit it? Because he really likes his editor. And so I, I think it is. And there's another example of like how bizarre the publishing world is. It's really like a choose your own adventure. Kind yes, of thing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's super yeah. fun. So one other thing I want to ask you is the kind of the touch on the paranormal elements here where we as readers start to think like, OK, is there something paranormal going on here? Is this her you know, reality? Is this mental illness? Like what where does this narrative fall? I think it was beautifully done. And one of those things that adds even more tension to me as a reader is I'm like, oh, wait, what? what is this? What is happening? And, and so I'll ask you kind of the same question, which is, was that something that happened naturally? Is that something that you added for tension purposes? Like, where did that come about? So once again, that kind of comes from a place of my own experience growing up in the middle of nowhere. And it's just, I don't know, there's something about the countryside and maybe it's just the small town I was in. There's a lot of history there, a lot of which you don't really know about. You know, I grew up right down the street from like a cemetery. We had like an old homestead that had been on our property from like the 1800s and like a, you know, like a creepy covered well on our property. So it's, and then like I said, there's a lot of religious things going on in the town. So it was just, you know, when I reflect back on my childhood there, I just, there's kind of this air of, I don't know, like a mystique about, you know, certain things going on there. It, it looks kind of mysterious in the countryside when there's fog everywhere and you can't really see what's going on. And I, I don't know. I just, I, it does add a lot of suspense. And I, I thought it was kind of a fun device to play with in a thriller. And, and then, like I said, your perception, I think as a child is really different from when you grow up and you're looking back on these things. So I wanted to play with that. Yeah. And, and as a reader to have like an unreliable ish narrator where you start to question what 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 type of grip they have with reality i think makes it for a a really fun read so yeah if you're listening i can't recommend enough you pick up l's book here what still burns and then one of those faces as well i mean you're playing with things that i think a lot of thriller writers are using right now whether it's paranormal elements romantic elements and i think it's just a a master class on how to pull these things off so well done my uh, last question for you is just where can people find you where can people look you up yeah, so I'm I'm not really on Twitter much anymore. I still am, you know, occasionally, but I'm on Twitter and and Instagram and occasionally, very occasionally TikTok, all under the same handle, Elgrawl, just the name written out, and that's G R A W L. And yeah, that's that's pretty much where I hang out on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening and you want to get in touch with Elle and find her books, I'll link to to her stuff in the description so you have quick access to that you can check it out l as always this is so much fun thanks so much for taking the time to chat yeah thank you again for having me this is really great okay so that's it i love the idea of using some of these secondary elements to our advantage as thriller writers plus having something like this in your story can really help it stand out from other submissions if you're querying just as a reminder i'm reopening submissions briefly for the thriller 101 agent pitch contest the form will be open until february 1st If you're interested, head over to Thriller101.com and submit today. Link for that is in the description. I will see you next week. 